As we jump in, we're going to be talking about praying in the Spirit. Jude verse 20 will be our key piece, so if you'll turn there with me. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn it on. Go straight to the book of Jude. There's in, uh, you can go to the first chapter. Since there's only one chapter, you'll just stay right there. In verse 20. But you, dear friends, build yourself up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Jude is writing this. He is also a half-brother of Jesus, so he's got a holy uh, canonized piece of Scripture um, that God gave him to, attribute, uh, to contribute to the New Testament. He writes this somewhere between 60 and 80 A.D., so now we're in like second or third generation believers so all those first guys who got saved and it was all brand new and so cool and so neat and outpouring the Holy Spirit, now we're second and third generation. And you know about second and third generation, sometimes the pattern gets a little off. And so he's dealing with some issues. In fact, he opens up his book and says, I was going to write to all you churches and just encourage you, but I'm so concerned right now with all of the wicked that's happening that I'm actually going to pivot and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick you in the backside and tell you, you need to contend for the faith. You need to contend. You need to fight for the faith. And he goes on, he says, because there are godless men that have got amongst us and they're teaching false doctrines. And he actually says, and they have changed the grace of God as a license to sin. And they're saying, oh, God's okay with it. God's okay with it. Grace, grace, grace. And he says, and they're using it as a license to sin. And they're perverting the body of Christ. And they're bringing confusion. And they are deceptive. And they're bringing all of this divisiveness. And he says in verse 19, he says, and these people who are dividing you, and they're doing it because they do not have the Holy Spirit. And then he says in verse 20, so therefore, friend, my dear friends, build yourself up in your most holy faith and pray in the spirit. Build yourself up in your most holy faith and pray in the spirit. Now, the New Testament can be quite confusing in reference to praying in the spirit, praying in other tongues, speaking in tongues, which one's which. And as good Americans, we would really like it to have clear instructions that are boxed up with an example and as well as a beneficial you know, piece to the end of it all. And that's just not how God engages with his people in many things. When it comes to praying in the spirit or praying in tongues or speaking in tongues, it's really become an advice, a divisive um, understand uh, piece of, of what God has given us as a gift. In fact, um, I spent a lot of time over the last couple years just even hearing the arguments of people who are anti, people who have had these horrible experiences, people who created what I would call false doctrine uh, simply so they wouldn't have to deal with what the Bible actually gives us as a beautiful gift, the gift of tongues or the pray, ability to pray in the Spirit, if you will. So if I could, I'd like to jump in at this point and just give you, just, I, I need you to understand, God never intended for the a Christian to be without power. Never intended that. You need to understand. Let me back you up. So the original followers of God are the Jews. Okay? Your Bible is written by Jews, to Jews, for Jews. Okay? What are Jews? Jews are Abraham's descendants. In a season of the earth where no one wanted to serve the living God, God found a man of faith called Abraham. 
And he came to Abraham and he says, and I can see down through the future, Abraham, do you want to come into covenant with me? And I'll be in covenant with you. I'll take care of you as you serve me and your children's 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 children. Abraham said, let's do it. They came into covenant and those descendants of Abraham are the Jews, if you will. The Jews were constantly going away from God, coming back to God, constantly chasing after false idols and coming back and repenting. As Every time the Lord would say, okay, well, I'll let you do what you want to do. And they get themselves out there. And next thing you know, they're slaves in Egypt because they, they stopped serving God. They broke their covenant relationship. Come on, some of you have been through divorce. You know what it is to be cheated on. You know what it is to be devalued and unloved and say, I've given you everything. I don't understand what the problem is. And God had this with these, his people Israel back and forth, back and forth. And what he gave them was a law to show them what right and wrong was. The law of Moses gave them the Ten Commandments. He gave them the right way to live in reference to what it is to be in relationship with him. But they could never fulfill it. They could never live it right. So then he created a system of forgiveness pieces where they would sacrifice little animals because he wanted them to understand every time you sin, it brings death into the earth. And so I need you to sacrifice little animals so you can see that you kill life every time you go against my ways. You kill life. And so I want, there's going to be, a, I'm going to make a practical illustration that you have to commit to so that you will recognize how wicked you are and that you can't live according to what I've asked you to do and you keep going off, off from me. And so he created these whole systems, if you will. We see them all throughout the Old Testament. And, uh, and so as a result, there became this concept that, that there is a sacrificial lamb for my sins. And then the Lord decided, I will send my son Jesus, and he will once and all be the sacrificial lamb to cover every sin you will ever commit. He paid it forward for every sin you and I will ever commit, and our grandchildren that aren't even born will ever commit. He paid it forward as forgiveness. And then, then everything shifted into a new covenant relationship. And that new covenant relationship fulfilled the old covenant with God, with the Jewish people, and this new covenant relationship now, the doorway into this new covenant relationship is Jesus Christ. So we come and we follow Jesus Christ and we submit to his ways. And then what he did was he gave us his Holy Spirit. The Old Testament followers of God did not have the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through them. They would hate you so much right now if they knew that you have access to the supernatural power of God flowing through your veins and you don't take advantage of that. They would look at you and say, are you out of your ever-living mind? Because what happened was, God said, I know that they cannot in their own strength keep the law. And so I'm going to make a, my son's going to make the sacrificial way. He's going to be the bridge between me and the people. He's going to be the bridge. They'll cross through him, but they're going to be tempted like all have, are tempted. They're going to want to fall away from me in relationship like all have for thousands and thousands of years. Except what I'm going to do with them what I'm going to do with that new covenant relationship is I'm actually going to send my Holy Spirit to live and abide in them. To give them power. There are two works of the Holy Spirit. I teach this all over the nations in Bible schools and theological places. There are two works. Number one, regeneration. It's the Holy Spirit who convicts me and says to me, and, and saying, that's not right, that's not like God. And he begins to regenerate, making me new. The process of making me new. And the second work of the Holy Spirit in our life is empowerment, to give us power. In fact, Jesus said it like this, I'll send you the comforter, and he will convict the, the world of sin, righteousness, and the judgment to come. 
He will give you power to overcome your own weaknesses, your own sinfulness, and the broken things of this world like sickness and disease and hate and bitterness, all these things. And so you got to understand the Jewish people, miss, many of them miss Jesus as the Messiah because their concept was that the, the king would come and he would set up and he would destroy all the bad people, which in their mind, in that era, in the New Testament, was the Romans and the Greeks. The problem was they missed that the issue is not about who's in governmental authority. The problem is the wickedness within us that causes us to be wicked and act wickedly. Jesus didn't come to destroy the men or the women who were wicked. He came to destroy the powers that were making them wicked and set up a kingdom of righteousness so that you and I could be delivered from our old ways and come into his way and be followers of Jesus or Christians as we call it. And so this outpouring of his Holy Spirit had been promised. And let me just tell you what transpired. On the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, there were 120 followers of God. Jesus had already died, and he had, he, he had already resurrected, and he actually had ascended, and he told them to wait for what was promised. In Joel chapter 2, there was a prophecy hundreds of years earlier from this moment that one day God would pour out his Holy Spirit on all flesh. You understand? In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only came down at certain times on certain ones, the special ones, the prophets. The Spirit of the Lord would come upon them, and they would do supernatural things. And the people were like, dang, superheroes. Wow. Is that Marvel or DC? Wow, that's amazing. That's what, and then the Spirit of the Lord would lift off of them. For example, Samson. Samson wasn't on a Swanson, Hagar, 6'8", 295 pounds of sheer, sheer muscle. He's an everyday dude. But the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him. He would do something crazy, supernatural. And the Spirit of the Lord would then lift off of him. Come down, empower, lift off. And Joel prophesied there's a day coming where God will pour out his Spirit on all flesh. Not just the special ones. Not just the preachers and the worship leaders and the prophets and blah, blah, blah. But on all flesh. So every little Jewish boy and girl growing up had heard this prophecy. One day, guess what, baby boy? It might be in your lifetime. He's going to pour out his Holy Spirit. He's going to live in us, empower us to be like the prophets of old. So can you imagine every little kid saying, oh, do you really think so? And they had their superhero concepts. Oh, I'll be able to walk on water. And I'll be, yeah, Spirit of the Lord, it's going to happen. And in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit was poured out, 120 of them. And they're just sitting there in that upper room. They're probably just singing, you know, Kumbaya, my Lord. And the Bible said the Spirit of the Lord fell upon them, and it looked as though tongues of fire rested upon all of them. It was a mighty rushing wind. I picture it in my mind that it was something like one of those Texas tornadoes in a room, and all of a sudden, and they start, and they begin to try to communicate to each other, and now what's coming out of their mouth is not their Hebrew language or whatever language was their native tongue, but they begin to speak in tongues or languages that they didn't know. So then they go outside, and they think, because it's in the middle of a festival, they think everybody's got the same experience around the nation, but it hadn't happened. It was just on, it poured out on them. So then they begin to minister, and 3,000 people get saved in a moment. The power of God flowing through them. The little sissy Peter who had denied him three times is now standing up and saying, I don't care if you kill me or not. You are the one who crucified Jesus, and you need to repent of your sins. And the people were so convicted of their heart, they go, what must we do to be saved? Come on. 
All the times that you begged your nephew to get right with God, and he's like, well, I don't, I don't know, I ain't interested. We try, it's fun, church is fun, no, no, no. And you're trying to make it all sexy for them so maybe they'll like it. None of that. When the Spirit of the Lord is poured out, their heart is convicted, the power of God hits them, and they go, oh, I, want, uh, oh, I don't want to live like this anymore. I didn't realize there was a one true God. I want him, I want him, I want him, I want him. This is the supernatural experience that happened. And they begin to speak in tongues, Praying in tongues, we see that used throughout the New Testament. So let me just give you a couple benefits. Write this down. A couple benefits to, if you will, um, speaking or praying in the Spirit. Number one, praying in the Spirit allows you to speak directly to God. Praying in the Spirit allows you to speak directly to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God. Since people won't be able to understand you, you will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will be a mystery. And Paul is actually dealing with this moment um, in the New Testament church where these believers had all gotten to speaking in tongues and they would have a service like we're having now and uh, in the middle of worship or something they would all just start speaking in tongues. And Paul's like, oh, what are you doing? Are you out of your ever-living mind? And they were like, oh, we're just being, you know, full of the Spirit. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. He said, I'd re- if you're going to speak out like that, he said, I'd rather that you do it in a language that everyone can understand so that you can edify that God actually is saying this. God wants you all to know this. He, if you don't understand what he's dealing with and you don't understand what he's correcting, then you'll create some crazy doctrine. Because then he says, and I thank God I pray in tongues more than you all. So he's not talking against praying in tongues. He's talking about people being stupid in a big gathering and bringing confusion. That's causing everyone to be confused. Like, what in the world? And so he actually lays out, this is the chapter, he actually says, so when you, when you pray in the Spirit, when you speak in other tongues, you're actually talking directly to God. There's this beautiful mystery that goes back and forth. And over the years, people have always asked me, well, I don't, I don't get that. I don't really understand that. Why do we need that? I'm like, well, and how I explain it is I love having a direct hotline to the Father. I love it. I love when I, I, I love that I'm, I can, I, I pray in the Spirit. I have a beautiful prayer language. I engage with God. I've never embarrassed you with it. I've never stood up here and confused you with it or anything like that. But I'm telling you right now, I, Paul said it like this, I wish all of you prayed in the Spirit. I wish all of you prayed in tongues. I, I wish that for you. But it is not, and we'll get into this in the midst of my teaching here, it is not a qualification for heaven. Come on, somebody. And so what I love about what Paul is dealing with is he's fixing foolishness, which is where we're at 2,000 years later. We got a bunch of foolishness when it comes to this precious gift and this precious engagement with God. And now we got a bunch of stuff that people are like, no, nah, never mind. I'd rather not. I'd rather not fool with it. I'd rather not fool with it. I watched some of you guys do that with the vaccination. Well, I don't know what y'all talk about. This and this, y'all saying that. I'll wait till y'all get it straight till I want to fool with it. Right? Because you know, like, I don't know, this one said this, this one says this. Everybody all over the place. It seems manipulative to me. It seems like it's good. This one says this. And so some of you just said, I'll wait. I'll just wait till y'all get your junk straight, which is what's happened with this particular gift that God has for us. Here's a second beautiful thing that you need to understand the benefit of praying in the Spirit, and that is praying in the Spirit builds you up. That was our key verse. It builds you up. Verse 20 of, of Jude, but you, dear friends, build yourself up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. When I pray in the Spirit, I, I literally, guys, I can feel the power of God surging through me. 
I feel built up after a few minutes to just pray. And it's supernatural. I get downloads from heaven. I'll begin to have understandings of things that I was struggling with. I feel built up. Uh, Anytime I get under depression, which is not very often for me, um, but anytime I feel like attacked or like I don't want to do this anymore, I'll start praying in the spirit. And I promise you, within 30 minutes, I'm built up and that is below me instead of it being above me. It's, it's It's the only way I know how to describe it. It's really a cool experience with the Lord. And here's the third biblical benefit that I would give you for praying in the spirit. And that is praying in the spirit allows you to pray even when you don't know what to pray for. Romans 8, 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed with words. With groanings that cannot be expressed with words. So, so when I pray in the Spirit, what happens for me many, many times, I don't know. For example, I get, a, I, get a, I get a text message or I see in a group me or something like that, that one of you are going through something real tragic. You've got a, 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 a family member in the hospital. And maybe I don't even know them, but I know you and I love you. And I know if you're putting that out there that this is a big deal that their life may be on the line. And so what I'll do is I'll start praying. Well, imagine how that prayer goes. I start, Lord, just bless Susie's cousin. Help them and miracles and something. And, and so after a couple minutes, I don't really know what else to pray. I just don't. So I'll begin to pray in the Spirit. And what then happens is scriptures will start coming to my mind. And insights will start coming. And then all of a sudden, specific things will start happening for me, for, for example, um, uh, years ago uh, when we were youth ministers in Louisiana, uh, we had one of these young men that was hospitalized. He was like four, 13 years old, 14 years old, and he was dying in the hospital, and they couldn't figure out what it was. They didn't know what it was. And so I began praying in the Spirit one, one particular evening for him, and it just kept stirring and stirring and stirring. And while I was praying in the Spirit, all of a sudden I got a thought in my mind. I didn't even know anything. I don't have any medical background of this. I don't have any understanding. Lyme disease. I heard the word Lyme disease. Heard the word Lyme disease. I picked up the phone and called his mom. I said, I was praying for your son. I was praying in the spirit. And I felt like I heard something. Don't know anything about medical stuff. Heard Lyme disease. I said, I think maybe you should ask the doctors if that has any, any relevance or anything. She goes, okay, I'll do it. And she goes, she, they deal that. She calls me back an hour later and says, she's crying uncontrollably. She says, that's exactly what it was. They found the tick in one of his private spots got the tick out and treated him properly for Lyme disease and he's starting to recover already within an hour and we see good signs. I'm not this guy, y'all know me, I'm not this guy that walks around, I feel as though you right now should go, should go and talk to the doctor. I mean, I'm not that smart, (laughs) you know, I'm just doing my best to serve God every day just like you. Are you tracking with me? Say yes. And each and every one of us have had some type of either engagement with the Holy Spirit and this thing about tongues. And I want to dive in a little bit more, but I thought before I go any further, I thought it would be awesome for you to hear from my love, the love of my life, my co-pastor, if you will, and your executive pastor, and just her story for a second about her experience growing up like I did in a denominational church that was anti-Holy Spirit pieces, any kind of engagement with the Holy Spirit, and just kind of see what God did for her. So play her testimony for just a second. This is Miss Jamie, the love of my life. I had the opportunity to grow up in a Bible-based church that was actually started by a Billy Graham crusade. So from a young age, the, the Word was an ever part of our spiritual growth. And I gave my heart to the Lord at a young 
age, but as I became a young adult, I found myself powerless to overcome sin. Like Paul said in Romans chapter 7, I wanted to do what was right, and yet I just couldn't do it, and I became very frustrated with my walk with the Lord. I met someone that went to a church that was called a full gospel church, and they began to tell me that there was actually more available. There was power available to the believer to be able to overcome sin, to connect with God in a deep way. And I wanted that. I wanted to know more about the Lord. So I began to learn about the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And I said, Lord, I want this. I want this power in my life. I want to connect with you in a greater way. So I began to go to every altar call and every opportunity I can. Anyone that was willing to pray for me, I just said, I am not going to stop until I receive what is out there and available for believers and for me. Uh, but it was interesting because no matter how many altar calls I went to, I still felt like I couldn't break through and I couldn't break free of the things that were holding me back. And one of the biggest things that was holding me back was bitterness and unforgiveness towards an individual. And then one day a guest speaker came that ironically enough looked exactly like the person that I was holding bitterness in my heart against. And that man gave an altar call and he said, tonight, if you want to go to the next level in God, you need to let go. You need to forgive. And I ran to the altar and I committed that night to forgive the person that I felt like had so wronged me. In that moment, the, the, the guest speaker, the preacher, he looked over at me as a little young adult at the altar and he said, young lady, something broke tonight. You're free, aren't you? And I really was. And it was shortly after that, that, that when someone prayed for me, I was just able to receive the power of God in ways that I had never, ever experienced before and find that communion and that connection with the Lord that he has intended for not just me, but for every one of us as believers. Amen. Come on. <clears throat> Acts chapter 1, verse 4 Jesus says like this, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he was eating with the disciples, um, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, baptismo, fully immersed. Skipping down to verse 8 of the same chapter, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive, Jesus speaking, power, everybody say power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Tongues was never the goal. Power was the goal. God wants you to have power to overcome your own sinfulness, your own hatred, your own, your own brokenness. He knew that you and I could not do this in our own strength, so he sent us the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that rose Christ from the dead. And so, in this expression, as we look through these moments in the New Testament churches, specifically the book of Acts, which covers like this 40, 50-year period of the early church, we see that they had these engagements with the Holy Spirit, and as a result, they had praying in tongues, they had prophecy, they had gifts of healing, they had these supernatural things happening. And, uh, and so, I want to take you through for just a moment, if I could, what I would say um, are truths in reference to this praying in the Spirit praying in other tongues. If I could just take you through a couple of those, and maybe we could straighten out some false teaching, some false doctrine, and maybe some bad stuff that you've experienced. Number one, here's the first truth that I would tell you, and that is you do not have to pray in tongues to go to heaven. Somebody say amen. You can do better than that. Say amen. In fact, Romans 10, 9 tells us what we have to do to go to heaven. That is, if you confess with your mouth 
and believe, confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Period. Enough. Settled. Done. Do you agree with that? Say yes. Oh, you can do better than that. Do you agree with that? Say yes. Jesus never told us that if you don't pray in tongues, you're not going to heaven. I have never engaged with people who believe that, but I understand that there are, there's some type of group out there, the people that I've engaged with, uh, people that I, uh, you know, know that are, you know, maybe they, they pray in the spirit or they maybe even don't, none of them that, that I draw, you know, connection and friendship with ever have believed that concept. But I've found over the years as I've tried to help people have the power of God flow through them and engage with the Holy Spirit that they bring that up. Well, you know, I, I don't believe that you, that you have to speak in tongues to go to heaven. Me either. Where'd you get that? Well, so-and-so said that. Who's a so-and-so? I don't even know who that group of people is. And so whoever that is, it's, that, that's a false understanding and it's a false teaching. It's, it's off. It's, it's not in line with what, the, what God gave. God gave us a beautiful gift, a beautiful gift. You can have it. You can receive it. You don't have to have it. It's yours to have, it's yours not to have. It's yours accessible by way of your heart, desire, and faith. If you don't have faith for it, you don't have faith for it. So I don't really want, I don't really, ooh, I'm I'm scared of this praying in tongues thing. If I had to guess, you're probably scared of praying in tongues or praying in the spirit because of a negative experience that you had. Because of something, situation that happened to you. Which leads me into my story a little bit. So we got saved in a denominational church that did not, they were cessationists. They believed that the miracles and all the supernatural things in Scripture stopped with the apostles and the New Testament church. That there was no need for that going forward. That was their belief system. So we didn't know we became Christians. We got saved. The problem was the more I read the Holy Scriptures, the more there's something inside of me that said, that's not accurate. Why would God start something and then kill it off and not let me have access to that same thing? That was my logic. And so, and so that became very, uh, we became very aware of our inability as a family, Mimi and Pop and myself, to be able to overcome our own sinfulness. And so I've told you this before, Mimi and Pop had one of these nights where they got in a big fight as Christians that Christians don't ha- have. And Pop went and found some other believers that night. He was so upset. And they actually told him, they said, Mike, your problem is you don't have any power to overcome the anger inside of you. And so what you need is the power of the Holy Spirit. And Pop was so desperate. He says, I don't care. I don't even care if you guys are a cult. I don't care. Just lay hands on me. I just need God, something. And in that moment, the power of God came over him. And he actually, in that moment, began to speak out in other tongues. And he came home and he told us about it. And I'm like, that's it. He's now satanic. We've lost him. I mean, this thing is over. Like, we, like this is crazy. And, uh, and so, but his change was so significant that we decided, well, we better go check out that church. And so he kept pulling us. And so we went and it was, it was meeting in a home. And I'll never forget this long. I was 13 years old. So I'm already at the most heightened season of insecurity that you'll ever have in your life, right? 13, 14, you got zits everywhere. You don't know who you are. You're coming, you, you know, you're hitting puberty. And so we roll up to this house, big house. There are cars all lying in the grass in the driveway, and we come, we come walk in, and they've already started worship. And as we walk in, they've got this table right by the door, and they've got Kool-Aid <laughs> and chips and dips. <clears throat> and I, I'm telling you, I, the media, and they're playing music. Now, we've been in a denominational church, non-instrumental denominational church. And we walk in, and they've got drums. They got this chick sitting on the, on, on the, on the hearth of the fireplace, and they've got this um, projector shining forth the words on a sheet behind her of the song that they're singing. I'm like, where are the hymnals? Where are the hymnals? This can't be a real church. You don't have hymnals. 
And, uh, and, and, and she's playing this, and they, that light is hitting her right across her face right here and upward. And she's got one lazy eye pointing this way, and she's playing a set of drums with long blonde hair, and she's doing this. And I'm like, this is a cult, Mom, this is a cult. They got Kool-Aid. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. I told them, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. And, and she's like, I don't know, just come on in. And we came in, and we, we sit there, and they got plastic chairs. That's their... That's their pews. I mean, you know, you know, plastic chairs. And man, they're into it, and they got the guy on the guitar. No, 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 no. He looked like he's an ex-rock and roll crackhead, you know, who's, you know, just got delivered, maybe. I don't know if he's delivered or not. They got a guy on the bass. No, 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 no. And we're coming from denomination. We're coming from, <laughs> I sing his wondrous glory. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. And I'm like, this is not that. This is demonic. We need to go. We need to run. This much I know, this is messed up. And so, and so, <laughs> mom was like, no, just, no, okay. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so they get into it and they finish that. And then the preacher gets up there. Well, there's only about 60 of us in this living room, right? So you can't escape. It ain't like you can sit on the back row. The back row is, you know, the kitchen. I mean, so you're right there with them. And uh, he starts preaching. And any, I don't know what it was about this group of people, but they were fired up. And they love the King James Version. In the King James, uh, he refers to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost. And so, I'll never forget, we were sitting there, and also, I don't know what he was preaching on, but he stopped and he started turning. He said, some of y'all need the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost. How many of you need the Holy Ghost? And then, you know, had their little cronies. Yes, Lord! Yeah! Come on now, get them, preacher! And I'm like, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. And he starts scanning. Wom, 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 wom. We the only knew people there. We the only ones that need the Holy Ghost, obviously. And so he starts honing in. Y'all need the Holy Ghost, don't you? And, uh, and so, so then, come on, everybody bow your heads. If you want the Holy Ghost, throw your hands up. You want the Holy Can't be ashamed of the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost. And I'm like, in the name of Jesus, if I ever get out of this place, I will never come back. And so, and so, you know, mom kind of raised her hand. I was like, what are you doing? Oh, my God. They're all going to, it's kind of like, you know, what was that movie where the aliens take over their bodies? I'm like, oh, I'm losing another one. And, um, and so, and Pop is all like, hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, but Pop's the next crackhead. I mean, he'll take anything. Like, I'll pop that too. Let's go. <laughs> you know, let's try that. Oh, that was a good one. You got anything else? And that's just, so Pop was already bent towards that, but I'm not, I'm not mom. Mom's kind of hesitant, but, and they lay hands on her, and I watched them, man. I don't know what these people are all about, but they start laying hands. Come on, receive. Hallelujah. You know, I don't know what they're yelling, but it's in some language. And they're pushing on her. Mom's doing all this and that kind of stuff and that kind of thing. And, and so it kind of, after a while, they gave up. You know, I guess they thought she was broke. And so... <laughs> They gave up, and she and, and we kind of closed out the day. And but mom was like, "That was that was interesting." And I was like, "Yeah, I'd say it was." And so somehow, you know, we really bonded with that group of people in some small group moments. So we went back to the services, and I'll never forget every Sunday. How many of you guys need the Holy Ghost, Adam? Because you're the only one left, buddy. There's 60 people in the room. How I many you need to, and they'll lay, raise your hand. Oh, I ain't raising my hand. I ain't raising my hand. I'm not raising my hand. No, I'm not a part of this cult. I don't know what y'all doing. I'm not a part of it. And I'll never forget, mom kept working me. Like, you need to receive the power. You need the power. I'm like, the power? I don't know what this is. And somewhere in the midst of that, mom has this experience by herself with the Lord. 
where the, well, I think you were in the shower, if I remember correctly, and the Spirit of the Lord just, just began, came over her, and she began to have this beautiful engagement with the Lord and had these syllables begin to roll off of her tongue. And, and so she, was, so she got excited because now all of a sudden she's going crazy to be my witnesses. She starts telling all the neighbors, God's real. We'd been in denominational church for two years. She never shared her faith once. Now, everybody's, everybody's getting saved all around us, and they're bringing them to church, and now they're getting them full of the Holy Ghost. But they're still like, we got to get this 13-year-old. He's the last holdout, you know, before we take over the planet. We've got to get this last one, you know, and uh, body snatchers or something. And so, so finally, after like a month or two, I was like, all right, okay, okay. It's like peer pressure, like, okay. Let me alone. I'll do it. And so, you know, they, they, they said, anybody, this particular, so anybody need the Holy Ghost? And so I lifted my hand. And then, of course, they were like, hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> Adam's going to get filled with the Holy Ghost. He's going to get the Holy Ghost. I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> so I went, I went forward, you know, and they're all like, oh, <laughs> man, see. And they laid hands on me, and, and I had been watching for a couple weeks, so I was ready. Hold on, give me a second. All right, let's go. You know, because I don't know what was wrong with that generation of people. I mean, their doctrine was so bad. I don't know what scriptures they had not read. <laughs> They've only found one, and they misappropriated that one to a full length of all that they could do with it. And so they start pushing on me, receive, receive. They start hitting me in the chest, receive the power of the Holy Ghost. And then after a while, they get frustrated. So they're like, are you receiving? I'm like, I'm receiving a spinal injury, which is, which is going to cost you, sucker. <laughs> I mean, and so there was no way I was receiving anything because the whole process was, was all about showmanship even. It's like, this is me and God having a deep thing, and you want to put me up like a show pony in front of everybody. And then that whole thing, it was their ignorance. Their hearts were pure, but man, their, their ignorance was raw and real. And I didn't even understand the doctrine of it. Like, why? Why do I need that? That's, I'm loving God just the way I am. <laughs> like, I'm good, okay? And, um, and so, you know, they pushed, they shoved. Do you feel the fire? And they loved, they loved the fire thing, especially Fuego del Espíritu Santo. They yell it real loud and this kind of stuff and push and shove and all this kind of stuff. And nothing happened. I guess nothing did happen because of the way by which we went about it. And so a couple of weeks later, I've gotten home from football practice. Mom's in the other room cooking and I'm Staring up at, at the ceiling fan, because at this point, everything's satanic. So they've locked up the TV. Um, we don't eat sugar anymore. Um, <laughs> some of y'all went with this journey. Okay, all right. <laughs> some of our new people are like, what is this? Where have I walked into? Uh, we fixed it already for you, so you don't have to go through this, all right? <laughs> we took the hit for you. And um, so I'm sitting there, and I'm just staring up at the ceiling fan, you know, and I'm trying to catch that one blade. Have you ever done that? Just try to do that, and I'm catching the one blade. And all of a sudden, I heard... In my heart, in my mind, I don't know any other way to say it. It wasn't audible, like, boom, boom, the Lord. I heard this voice say to me, I have given you power. If you want to pray in the Spirit, then just speak the syllables out that I've given you. The problem was, I'd watched all these weird Pentecostal people, and when they prayed in the Spirit, it was this, and that's, 
no, I didn't want that. I don't know any other way to say it. And I wasn't going to check my brain out. I wasn't going to check my brain out. Like, you, sh you should never turn off your brain. God created your brain. He created your intellect. Your intellect works in conjunction with the Holy Spirit, not outside of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and, so, and so I was really struggling with the doctrine, the theology, the way by which they were presenting it. And I, but in this moment, I heard his voice like, I have given you power. And things had started changing. I'd started, I'd started standing up for Jesus at school, which was, I'd never done that. I'd actually told some friends, hey, I'm not going to look at that porn. Y'all you know, going down the road. I'm not, I'm not fooling with that. You know, because in our day, it was magazines, you know, it wasn't, you didn't have the World Wide Web. And so, <clears throat> and so I was like, nah, I'm, I'm cool. And things had started changing, and it was pretty cool to see. Um, <clears throat> but I was really hung up on this whole tongues thing. And so I'll never forget, I went in the other room, and I said, Mom, I, I feel like this, God just spoke to me. And, and, he, and I feel like I got some little syllables even that, that, that may be from God. And you just should never tell a charismatic mama that. I mean, because <laughs> she's cooking all said, oh. Thank you, Jesus. Mm, Lord. I'm like, see, that's why I don't tell you nothing, because you're crazy. You're just crazy. All y'all crazy. And she goes, well, listen, when Dad gets home, we're going to lay hands on you. We're going to pray. I'm like, uh, okay. And so I go back in my room. I start doing, you know, start doing some homework or something. And so I hear a call. Hey, Adam, come out here. Dad's home. I'm like, okay. And I come walk out. She's got the lights all off, candles all lit. <laughs> She says this isn't true, but it is. It is. It's my version. <laughs> She's got Keith Green playing in the background. Oh, Lord, you're beautiful. And your faith. Like, I'm walking. I'm like, see? See, y'all just <laughs> crazy, man. Y'all crazy. I'm 13. This is weird. And, uh, and so, um, so I, they said, come on, lift your hands. And Pop and Mimi, as you know, and they're so sweet. And they just laid their hands on me. And they said, listen, this is a safe place. If you've got some little syllables, by faith, even if they sound weird. And so the problem was, I didn't have the same syllables as everybody else. I had these little thoughts in my mind. I thought maybe even I was making them up. And the Lord spoke to me, says, even if you're making them up, they're for me and you. They're a special love language for me and you. Who cares? I'm God. I can make them into a language. Well, well that'll throw your theology. Okay. I thought it had to be a language that someone else knew and somewhere in the world. And so, I, and so Mimi and Pop was just like, why don't you just go ahead and speak out? And so, so I was like, oh, okay. And so my, little, my, my first couple of syllables were like, they were groshita. So I go, groshita. And Mimi and Pop like, thank you, Jesus. I'm like, groshita. So, so we went to church that next Sunday, you know, it was a small church, so they're like, does anybody have any testimonies? Me, me and Pop are like, you know, like, McCain's, do y'all have something? Yes, our son got the power of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in other tongues. And then they're all like, hallelujah. Boom, no, 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 no. And they said, well, Adam, stand up, let us hear it. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. So I just want you to know, I've gone through all the weird, so you won't ever have to, okay? I've done it for you. I can, t I, I can tell you, that's wicked. That ain't right. <laughs> this is God's way. Walk therein. This is the way, all right? I mean, I can help you with that. And, uh, and that's probably why I'm your pastor, you know? And so, and so, um, it, it, so we would be in these prayer meetings, you know, and they're all standing around in a circle. And I guess at this point, we realize, I think we've stumbled into some kind of charismatic Pentecostal 
church. I think it's not a cult. I mean, we're going to figure it out the longer we stay. And, uh, and so we'd be in a circle, and they were all, and I'm like, Groshita. And they're all into it. And then they get to rocking. And you can only pray like that for like 30 minutes and you lose your voice, right? And so they're all in it. And I'm like, Groshita. But the further I walked with the Lord in this, the smarter I got. I was like, wait a minute. I get this. Hold up. And I just started, I just kind of brought it into my way of thinking. So I just started saying it a couple times over. Grishita, Grishita, Grishita. Grishita, Grishita, Grishita. <laughs> so, so, you know, I think in those early days, I was just trying not to be a cult or something. And so I just want to encourage you. You don't have to pray in tongues to go to heaven. <laughs> But if you want that kind of engagement, it's a beautiful gift, and let me, which brings me to my next thing that you need to understand, and that is, and I've already kind of stated it, but I want to state it more officially, uh, number two on truths about praying in tongues, and that is, you should pray with understanding while you pray in the Spirit, okay? First uh, Corinthians 14 and 15, so what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I'll also pray with my mind. I will sing with my spirit, but I'll also sing with my mind. Years back, uh, some people that I really respect, and they are, you know, more anti-charismatic type, you know, spirit-led things, and, but they're brilliant thinkers, and, and I really respect them as teachers, and they were, had a big conference, and they actually were talking against uh, praying in the spirit and, and things like the miracles and the gifts of God, and, and, uh, and it kind of grieved me. It really broke my heart. It really grieved me because they connected it to this, you know, thing that happens in India where these people are worshiping demons and the Kondalindi thing where they're, they, they're, they check out their brain and their eyes roll back and they, and um, they said, that's all praying in the spirit really is, which is not true. That's, that's not true. That's a lie. And so, and Paul actually says, you don't need, why, don't check out your brain. So when I pray in the spirit, what happens, I'm actually thinking about you, or I'm thinking about the particular area that I'm praying for, but I'm engaging almost in this little baby love language between me and the Father, and that's while I'm doing that, and I'm thinking, I'm very cognizant. I, I, I've been around charismatics who all they're doing is babbling. Thinking about what time is this going to be over? In fact, uh, we were counseling, Miss Jamie and I were counseling one of the young ladies in our church, and she said at our church where she came from, she was very apprehensive because she'd come from a situation where they would not stop the meeting until everyone came and fell down on the ground under the power of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and she's like, so, you know, Pastor, I mean, you guys are so balanced. And he's the first white pastor she had ever had. And she goes, so I appreciate that. She goes, but at the same time, when you start talking about the things of the Spirit, I get real nervous. I get real triggered because of what I had, I had experienced. And I said, I absolutely understand that. But the enemy's plan has always been, always, to take God's good things and pollute them and make them something goofy and weird and broken. But you can't deny uh, the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't deny speaking in tongues and praying in the Spirit because it's all throughout Scripture. In fact, I'd give you this. Number three, would, I'd help you understand this. None of the 120 disciples that were there at the day of Pentecost, none of them had an aversion to praying in tongues. None of them. None of them, the Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon them and they all began to speak in other tongues. None of them wrote articles about how it was wicked and they should have never experienced it. None of them did that. In fact, to help you out, if you believe in your Bible and your New Testament, every one of the authors of the New Testament books all spoke in tongues. 
can prove it easily. And so, not only that, but Mary, who, when you were Catholic, you used to pray to, uh, which you shouldn't have, because um, she's just a human. But Mary would have spoken in tongues. Peter would have spoken in tongues. They were all there at the day of Pentecost. And so, they didn't have an aversion to, in fact, the New Testament believers, as they were getting saved, and when they, were, they started finding out that they could have the power of the Holy Spirit flow through them, and they would speak in other tongues, none of them had an aversion for it. What we have a problem with is 2,000 years later, we've had so many idiots misappropriate God's precious sweet gifts and good things of God. They perverted, made it wrong. The rest of us are like, I don't want that mess, because you shouldn't want that mess. You don't want the mess, but you want the beauty of what God has for you. And, and, and if you don't, so be it. But he has power for you, and he has beautiful uh, prayer languages that you and him could have. And, and I'm so sorry that other people have misappropriated. I'm so sorry that people who were scared of it created doctrine against it. But you can't get past it. You can't read the Holy Scriptures without seeing them praying in other tongues, speaking in other tongues. And so a lot of times they'll get, they'll get back and forth on speaking versus praying uh, in tongues. And really it does come down to the audience. And so in, the, uh, in one of the churches that we were a part of for a number of years, they would have these prophetic tongues come forth, which is really what Paul is encouraging in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And that really has to do with your audience. So in my mind, and the Bible doesn't make real clarity on it, but in my mind, when you speak in other tongues, it's about who your audience is. And so I pray in the Spirit, it's to God. So when I'm praying in the Spirit, I don't really do that loud where you can hear it because I'm talking to God and I don't want to confuse you as to what I'm doing. But if I give a tongue or a prophetic language that you don't know, then Paul said, then there better doggone be an interpretation of it. Someone should say, God's saying this in a language that we can all understand. That's what Paul's correcting. Because again, they were all just standing up going, bah, 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 bah. and so everybody stopped. What's God saying? And then another person would just start yelling out something. No, they do this for however long, and it was the most confusing thing. Paul said, that's crazy. Stop all that. So even in the early church, they were having difficulties with this and trying to fix it because of our own humanity, because we want to showboat, because we want to say that we have something everyone else doesn't have, because we don't dive down into the Holy Scriptures and get proper doctrine and theology in our head. And so as a result, we misappropriate beautiful things. But none of the early church had an aversion to it. So why do we? Why do we have an aversion? I'll tell you why. Because in the last 2,000 years, people have been crazy. And none of us want to be a part of crazy. Somebody say amen. No, you can do better than that. None of us want to be a part of crazy. Say amen. <clears throat> yeah. In fact, tongues, number, here's my fourth thing I would teach is tongues is an element of the empowerment. The goal is power, and tongues is this beautiful piece that can come with it, that can be a part of it. It's one of the elements. But I don't think it's the only element, quite frankly. I don't think it's the only part. My, my, some of my friends in, in the larger um, charismatic um, denominations believe that if you don't pray in tongues, then you don't have power. And we don't believe that at all here. And the reason why is because, because we see not only room for in Scripture that that's not the only thing. Because not only did they prophesy, I mean, not only did they speak in tongues, but many times they also prophesied when they received the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, and so, not only that, but there are nine power gifts, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, working of miracles. So if a person is moving in healing, but they don't pray in tongues, so do they not have power? They just laid hands on you, you got healed. <clears throat> but they don't pray in tongues. I had a spiritual daughter who grew up like I did in a church that was anti-tongues. And she um, got radically touched by the Lord, her and her husband, phenomenal. And uh, when she prayed for you, you got healed. But she did not pray in tongues. And the reason why is because, and she'll tell you, because I had this aversion towards it because of what I had experienced in high school by a group of fired up teenagers who tried to force that on me and told me I was a second-rate Christian because I didn't have it. 
So as a result, she said, y'all can keep your little tongues thing. But the more she grew in God, the more she wanted of God. Her heart was so pure. And the more the gifts began to flow through her, the power of God flowed through her, <clears throat> she had this hang-up in her mind. And I would say most of us have hang-ups in our mind. We do. All of us have some type of hang-up. To this day, I do not eat sweet relish pickles. Because when I was 10 years old, I ate one, and it made me sick, and I threw up. And so from that, from that point forward, sweet, re- sweet, sweet pickles are the devil. They are satanic. I will eat a dill pickle, but won't eat sweet. Something in my head, right? (laughs) Because of an experience that I had that was negative. And some of you have negative experiences, and so you're just like, well, I'd just rather not. I think that's weird. I had, But I think my encouragement to you would be study your word. Know your God. Have what he has for you. Don't take my word. Don't take what the word of God says about it. So it's one of the beautiful power elements. In fact, in Acts chapter 10... Cornelius is this guy who's a Gentile, and he has this engagement with an angel, and the angel tells him, go get Peter. Peter has an engagement with, the, with, with a vision from God, and he says, go to this guy's house. I know Jews and Gentiles don't go to each other's houses. That's against the law, but you do it anyway because I have something I want to do. And while he's there, he's having this crazy moment. He starts preaching to all these Gentiles. The Jews don't believe that the Gentiles can be saved, so God's going to thank God that that ideology got changed in their thinking. And, um, and so Peter starts preaching to him and it says that all of a sudden the people with Peter said, we knew God had fallen on them because they all began to speak in other tongues. The guy's just preaching to him. He's just telling them Jesus was the Messiah, the resurrection, all this is laid out in scripture. And uh, as these pagans who don't know God, who don't know anything about Jewish culture or Jewish rabbinical law or anything about the Torah, all of a sudden the power of God comes over them. And they all begin to speak in other tongues and prophesy. So you see that tongues is one of the elements of this power thing that happens between us and the Holy Spirit as we engage with him. Here's the next piece. You still with me? Say yes. I'm trying to move fast. And that is it. Number five, it is one of the signs that will follow believers. Okay? So let me bring you straight to your Holy Scripture. In Mark chapter 16, Jesus Jesus has died. He has resurrected. And before he ascends, he makes this great commission piece in Mark chapter 16. In verse 17, telling us to go into all the world, preach the gospel, telling them about the good news. And then in verse 17, he says this, and these signs, this is Jesus speaking, not me, not, not some preacher on, on Christian television who's trying to get you to buy his gold dust or his olive oil from the motherland. Jesus, verse 17, and these signs will accompany those who believe. If you're a believer, say me. These signs shall co- accompany those who are the apostles in the early church. Is that what it says? It says Believers. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. Um, They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. And they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. So it's interesting that Jesus lists the new tongues thing in in the kind of a listing of how you'll know that we're followers of him, that we have these power things happening in our lives. You will not be able to get a younger generation to serve Jesus in the days to come if you do not let them see the true power of God flowing through you. I'm just telling you straight up. Some of you were bored to death because your parents drug you to church every Sunday. There was no power in it. There's no power to change. There was no power to live it out. It was dead religion. It was rules and regulations. And it was a duty 
Friend, Christianity is not a duty. I'm in love with my Savior. I'm in love with my Creator. He's given me power, and that power it gives me, I'm telling you, I've, I've overcome so many things, not in my own strength, not because I'm a good boy versus a bad boy. I'm a wicked individual who's gotten saved and am justified by faith in Christ alone, not in my own strength. And He's given me this beautiful power, and I flow in that power, and I don't make any, you know, I don't mix words about it. It is God's plan. And for you to have empowerment, and ye shall receive power after which the Holy Spirit's come upon you. If you want to pray in tongues, great. Ask for it. If you don't want to pray in tongues, you don't have to have it. But you and me are going to change this world together as we let the Spirit of the living God flow through us, the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead. And we will be witnesses. See, a witness is not about you going out witnessing. A witness is just someone telling what they experienced. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about going out witnessing, and now we have this duty to go witness to everybody. When you have the power of God flowing through you, which is what he said, and you shall receive power to be my witnesses, you're going to be a witness. Like, oh, dude, all I know is once I was lost, and now I was, all I know is I had a crack addiction. All I know is I couldn't be faithful to my wife, but the power of God flows through my veins now, and what I couldn't do, God is doing through me. I had a friend that I brought here, actually, and this is my belief for you, and I'll start wrapping it up. Here's my belief for, for you is that everywhere you go and everything you do, the power of God will flow through you for supernatural experiences. For example, those of you that are business women and men, I'm believing that the Holy Spirit will begin to lead you and guide you in business deals. That you will have these moments where you're like, look, I need to just pause. I know that there are three options on the table uh, and our little company startup, uh, you know, this is, but look, look, give me a second and you'll just kind of sit there and you'll pray in the Spirit under your breath and all of a sudden have a, a download. This is what, which I'm, I'm picking C instead of A and B only to find out that C was exactly what you needed, that A and B would have destroyed you had you gone that way, but it was the Spirit of the Lord leading you in that direction, that the power of God would flow through you in such a way that you recognize, hey, that new person at work, she, she's trying to get awfully close to me. I'm wondering, I'm wondering, I've got this thing in my spirit. I'm not supposed to get close to her. That, that girlfriend's going to be trying to, trying to get me away from my wife if I'm not careful. And so these are the power pieces that we walk in. I brought a man in here about uh, five years ago, I think it was. He was a corporate exec. And, um, and he had this engagement with um, one of the Fortune 100 companies in America with their executive because he's a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. But he also had the power of the Holy Spirit. And, um, and so he told a story while he was with us. He said that um, these executives um, started calling him for wisdom because they found out, and they said it like this, you talk to God and God tells you things. So they had this moment where this, and I can mention the company, all of us have this company in our house in some kind of capacity. And the executives called him one time because they were about to acquire another company and they weren't sure and they had these five executives and they have to be in agreement or they don't, they don't acquire these companies. Multi-billion dollar deals are going on. So they call my friend, again, who's a multi-millionaire business person who's full of the Holy Spirit. They call him and they said, listen, we're trying, we know you talk to God and God talks to you. And I don't know if we're supposed to, we feel like we're supposed to, everything looks right on paper to purchase this company, but we have this thing that we feel like we should ask you to talk to your God as to whether or not we're supposed to do this. And my friend says, well, well I'll pray for you, and if God gives me something, I'll let you know. That was on a Friday. They said, well, we need to know by Monday. Friday, he said nothing happened. Saturday, nothing. He prayed. You know, he wasn't in any pressure. Sunday morning, he said he was drinking his coffee out on his back back porch before he went to church. And as he was praying, he was just praying in the spirit, just under his breath, praying in the spirit, talking to God. He said, when all of a sudden God gave him three thoughts, he wrote them down. One of the thoughts was this, that they have cooked the books, it's hidden, and it'll come out on Thursday. Here's the, the CEO is actually 
actually wanted for some things legally. And if, you, and if you take this company, you'll inherit all of this mess as well. And one other piece too. And so he wrote them down on a piece of paper. That was Sunday. He went to church. Sunday, he, he contacted them. She put it to him in an email. The guy called him within an hour of receiving the email. I said, are you crazy? We've done, we've had, we have experts have gone through the books. He said, you asked me to talk to God. I talked to God. This is what he told me to tell you. The guy was like, okay, whatever. He said, he said, well, maybe I'll just get them at least to wait a week or two. So that was their decision. They waited a week or two on Thursday. Someone had been doing, the FBI or someone had been doing an investigation on this company they were going to acquire. It came out all over the news media that they had cooked the books. The guy went to, the, the, the CEO of that company went, went to federal prison. And this company called my friend and went, what will it cost us to keep you on retainer? We want to put you on retainer to talk to God and tell us what business deals we should do. To which he said, because he knows the scriptures because he's a real full of the Holy Spirit person. He goes, you cannot buy the gift of God. You call me when you need something. I'll ask God if he wants to give it to you. He said, and what's happened is those executives one by one are now getting saved because they saw the true power of God. Not at church. Talking about that's power. I mean, I'm, I'm all about you getting, like, sticking your hand in a, you know, in an electrical socket with God and having these moments. That's beautiful and wonderful. But I'm talking about the real power that changes the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, they were telling me, Pastor, what would you do if gold dust, if you had gold dust? I said, I would sell that gold dust and I'd go get girls out of sex trafficking overseas. I don't need, the, I, I don't need gold fillings in my mouth to know that I'm close to God and I got the power of God flowing through me. Everything that God wants to do in you and through you is to touch the hurting people of the world. The power of God to be a witness. Would you stand with me quickly across the room?